Remember, remember who you are before society told you how to be. Through ritual and ceremony, my mission is to guide you on your own journey back to self, to shed limiting beliefs, societal conditioning, and outdated ancestral patterns. Through individually curated healing methodologies, I help to remind you of the greater purpose of your life. Welcome to the Return of Ritual podcast. I'm your host, Amber Winston. I'm so happy you're here. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Return of Ritual podcast. Or if you're a new listener, welcome. We are so happy that you are here to join us today. Um, If you have been listening to the Return of Ritual podcast for some time, you will recognize today's speaker. And again, if you're new, you're in for a treat. The topics that we have been preparing for today's call are really near and dear to both of our hearts, and there's something that needs to be discussed and brought to into the limelight, so to speak. So we are so honored that you're here. Thank you so much for tuning in. I would like to introduce you and welcome back to the show, Marcy Tallender. Hello. Hello. You look fabulous in that wonderful blue chair that you're sitting on. The mothership. <laughs> the mothership. It looks fabulous. Um, and if you're just listening, I'll just describe it to you. It's like this beautiful royal blue wingback chair, and she's just sitting there in all of her regalia looking fabulous. Um, so if that's any clue to what this episode is going to be about, um, get ready because this is going to be a good one. I want to give you guys a little bit of background on who Marcy is if you are um, not familiar with her work. So let me just read a brief bio of hers and then we will just dive right in. So Marcy is a licensed professional counselor and expressive arts therapist. She is a poet, a ritualist, and a myth carrier, and a grandmother of ecotherapy and arts activism for the earth. She is the director of Earth Wisdom Institute and Mystery School and the founder of the Earth Wisdom Order of International Secular Ministers. Marcy is also a TEDx talk presenter. I love her TEDx talk. You can check it out. It's called Transforming Community. She is an elder and a godmother of her mountain community. Marcy lives, works, and celebrates at legendary Wise Acre on a secret island two miles high in the Rockies. She shares this place spirit with her partner and labyrinth builder, photographer Mark, two cats, Gypsy the Red Fox, and numerous flying, furred, and four-legged ones. Welcome back, Marcy. I feel welcomed. (laughs) Fabulous. So we want to talk about some interesting topics today. And I would say that a lot of people might not be too familiar with the first topic, which is glamoury, which we're going to get into. But before we talk about that, I do just want to let people know that when I visited Marcy in August of last year, it was over the Lamas moon and we had kind of come into contact through the podcast. And I had had Marcy on at the beginning of season two. And, you know, as the saying goes, when the student is ready, like the teacher appears And I genuinely felt that with Marcy. So when I was fortunate enough to go out to her property, Wise Acre, in August, I was completely in awe. I was like, here's a woman who is living, you know, in harmony with nature. She's communing with her land, with her community. She is completely dedicated to her craft. She is a wise elder. She is just so in her element. And I was taken aback 
by being in her presence. I was like, wow, you know, here is a great example of somebody I would aspire to be like. And so once I got the chance to kind of see Marcy in person and, and experience being on this magical property, Wise Acre, I came away kind of like, wow, can, I wonder if she would mentor me, you know, like here I am leaving the corporate world, being called forth by spirit to step firmly and confidently on my path forward as, you know, my own version of a medicine woman and an earth priestess. And I felt like she could help me. So I reached out to Marcy and I said, Hey, Marcy, you know, would you be open to some sort of an apprenticeship? And she gracefully accepted. And we've, we've just been crafting together and I, she's been sending resources my way. And I've just been, you know, I have the book that you suggested. I just got it from the library. Um, this one, you know, I've got all these things that I'm just like absorbing. And so I'm so excited to just introduce you all to her because she is fantastic and has so much to share with us um, with regards to multiple different topics, but really with earth wisdom, right? With living closely to the land, honoring our natural rhythms and cycles, um, the beauty within as a woman and bringing that out into the world, expressing that divinity that we all have. Um, so I just wanted to share that little bit of background for kind of how Marcy and I's relationship has developed and where we are today. Thank you. What a privilege. What a pleasure. Oh, I'm just soaking that in and savoring it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, okay. So what we're going to talk about first is this concept of glamoury and this word that when Marcy started to talk to me about glamoury, you know, I was at a point kind of in my transition where I've been leaving the corporate world and through that exploration, I've been kind of unraveling all of this conditioning. And a lot of it was related to how I looked, you know, I would dye my hair blonde and I let it grow out and it's now turning brown. And that's just one example, right? But I was going through this metamorphosis and she started to talk to me about clamory. And I was like, what is, I've never even heard of that word. I'm like Googling it. What does it mean? Um, and so Marcy, maybe you could just start by telling us the definition of the word glamoury. It is important to focus on the appropriate definition, because like many things that are about powerful, artistic and spirited women, that definition, the one I'm going to share now, has been co-opted, appropriated, misappropriated and even demonized. This will be familiar to many women. So the ancient definition that comes through your lineage and my lineage and many lineage of women around the world is glamoury is an enchanted condition which is invested with magic and the magic of potential and all possibility. Mm. Who doesn't want to be in that state and walk with that through her life and her work. So this form of glamour is really talking about two very important words that we use now quite often, you know, in our spiritual work and in our healing work. And that is manifestation and transformation. That's what glamour is about. And it's on a personal level, a soul level, a spiritual level, 
a physical well-being level and a level of benefiting and serving our earth and our people. Amazing. And can we, would we also say that glamoury, kind of when we look at the etymology and other words that relate to that, would glamorous be one of those words as well? Um, Very much. Yes, it comes from that word. An interesting thing, when all of these projections were changing and when the wise women, the green women, the midwives, the medicine women uh, were part of the hounding of the Inquisition and all the big empire movements, wars, battles, land grabs, so much changed. And the words that we believe glamoury does come from is one that sounds very much like it, grammary, mm. the word grammar or grammatics. And that word means a body of careful study and the ability to write it, create it, and also speak it. And grammary is applied to contemporary craft because it is a way of writing recipes or blessings or writing investments for people, if we're being celebrants in ceremonies, grammary is uh, also creating chants, positive affirmations that we repeat and repeat. So grammary is this body of knowledge. And before probably the 17th century, anyone who had an education was also being given an education in the esoteric arts and sciences, right. astrology, um, alchemy, you know, these, these magical sciences and technologies, which focused on the transformation of the actual meaning, the magical properties that transform, and also the transformation of the alchemist herself. So um, those then became suspect. And they were, in fact, identified as demonic. And so along with that, it, it appears that glamoury and grammary are words that came together. It's very possible that also glamoury is from the word amour, the French word for love, wow. because glamoury is about love. It's about being in love. It's about loving, you know, self and the sacred other and you know, our people. So it's very possible that it was also amour and other um, Anglo-Saxon words like glad, like glow, like glimmer, like glisten. So we have this sort of conjunction of what I think are absolutely exquisite qualities in, conflated into one word that has been then deflated, yes, you know, by patriarchal cultures um, into something that is vapid, vain, um, uh, focused on greed and devouring. Um, you know, it's the wanton woman. It's the woman who bewitches a man and then controls him forevermore. It's someone who makes things look like they aren't false like smoke and mirrors in order to trick and confuse people to get her way. That mm -hmm. is a huge leap from what I believe are the true origins of 
our lineage that we are reclaiming and bringing forward from the old strong magic into the deep needs of our contemporary times. Yeah, and I want to talk about kind of both of those. I want to talk a little bit about what we've seen, you know, or what we have um, interpreted from history, you know, how we were very much women, midwives, at home, by the hearth, sharing the magic, sharing the traditions with our sisterhood, um, and very powerful women, right? How how that all went wrong. You know, I kind of want to just go back in time and I know we can, we can time travel back and then we can time travel forward. I would love for you to just describe to us, you know, where did this all go wrong and how, and how and why was this innate wisdom, beauty, power, magic that is inherent in all women taken from us? Or if it wasn't taken, how did it just escape from our, our hearts or our, our way of, existing. We could go back thousands of years with the Aryan invasions, you know, with the coming of a totally different philosophy that was about ownership. Yes. And the embodiment of the earth was something to be controlled, to be enslaved. And the matrifocal, the mother focus, the matrixial cultures were absolutely raped, pillaged, and plundered. And the great works, the beautiful art, the temples, the writings were very successfully destroyed by these incomers. But what's interesting is the real change was when it was discovered that sperm was necessary in order to help create a child. Before that, and we still know this, women are the ones who create out of our bodies, but it wasn't known that men were necessary. So women lived in what we believe were collectives of reciprocity with each other and nature. And the only males that were connected to a woman were the ones that came out of the same body that she did or came out of her body. So it would be her brothers, Mm -hmm. her sons, And so they would be the only ones really connected in terms of a very specific um, clan. Okay. Well, then, of course, women were deified. We are the earth. We are creation. And as we go, so goes the earth. As the earth goes, so go we. And once men realized, oh, we're part of this picture too, they said, okay, now you belong to me. Right. The children belong to me. Your lands belong to me. Whatever you have gathered and earned and learned belongs to me. And, you know, I'm saying men, but I'm really talking about a patriarchal dynamic as we experience it now. It's certainly, this is, I'm very partner oriented. And my partner, Mark, as I was telling you, he calls himself the goddess grunt because he (laughs) helps behind the scenes and in the scenes to really make beautiful ways of gathering and sharing available for women and for couples. So what we now know is that this whole concept of ownership meant that men would go to war to get more slaves and getting more slaves meant you had to have more land to raise the slaves. And so the actual absolute opposite of matrifocal cultures, which are based, as we know, even with the last remaining indigenous ones, on 
like I said, compassionate reciprocity with nature, education, peace, inclusivity. You know, these are the ways that women as mothers and as sisters and daughters interrelate because of our oxytocin, you know, that tend and befriend hormone. So things started changing early on. And I would recommend a book, a magnificent book by Barbara Walker called Crone, C-R-O-N-E, because we are also going to be talking about women of age, wisdom, and power. And Walker's work gives you the overview that I think every person needs in order to understand this. So then you ask wisely, well, in, in more recent times, you know, yeah, let's say late, late medieval period on into the Renaissance, um, the, the concept of women having brains the size of walnuts. This was the science. Women could not take care of themselves. Women could not be trusted to do anything important. Women couldn't be trusted outside of the home. Women were basically across Europe, almost in harems of, you know, homesteads and things like that. Well, this isn't every culture because there were always women who people went to for wisdom, for the oracular, the prophetic um, arts, and also the women that people would go to for healing. You know, they were still very powerful, but the daily hedge witch work, you know, the things that you do in your day, in the forest, you know, in the birthing room, those things had to be very, very secret. Right. As time went on, the Inquisition um, became more and more dire. Women were being tortured and murdered. Uh, it was terrifying. We can only imagine, and many of us still have some sense of what the burning times were like. Mm. And so when women were powerful and able to help others, they also had a mystique around them that was honorable and respectful. They had grace. They took up space appropriately. But there was always somebody who was jealous, always someone who's in competition, always someone who was seeking that woman for reasons that weren't appropriate. And it was very easy because women were not allowed to have their own land or to travel. It was very easy to keep women pretty much like hostages. Yeah. So the, you noted the ways that women passed this beautiful information from mother to daughter was in very mundane places, you know, like at the well drawing water or at the river washing clothes, or in the birthing room, or the sick room. And these were places that women would gather and they would share their healing arts. Another place in many cultures is also when women were spinning and weaving. And one of the beautiful things is that when we talk about an heirloom, we're talking about the ancient tradition of a mother passing her loom to her daughter, which was of utmost importance. So in that spinning, there was always a focus on destiny. How do we weave the past, the present into the future? How do we wiggle the threads 
of fate. How do we help protect and preserve place spirit and the people? How do we support our sons as they go off to war? How do we tend to ourselves and our own well-being? And all of these became forms of basically the sight, women's ways of seeing. Every culture has a tradition around this. And the ones that I find very, very important come from Old Norse, Mm -hmm. Scandinavian, um, British, and Celtic and Germanic. In other words, Northern traditions. And there are a number of ways that women used and raised and grew and expanded their insight and their intuition and their ecstatic awareness. Women had to be able to do this because they couldn't travel to get information They weren't allowed to be educated. So you can imagine grammary, a study of something and the ability to actually put it forth and write it down was a very important thing and very secret with women. Most things were told through stories, Mm -hmm. through fables, through personal shared experiences and through the ancient stories, especially in the Celtic tradition. Glamoury in the Celtic tradition relies on the invasion cycles and the Imrams, the um, beautiful stories of rowing to Avalon, um, the changing and transforming between the realms. Mm -hmm. The Celtic tradition and the Norse tradition see time as nonlinear. It's all at once. So being in in the world, being in the physical world, being earthy and earthed, being connected to and making love with mother nature was deeply important. There wasn't a goal to get out of our bodies or away from our bodies or out of this life. It was to be much, much, much more connected and interconnected. Glamoury then draws on the natural world and insight into the teachings that the native spirit of plants animals, the changes in weather, all of these things brought a kind of magic sight when women studied and practiced with Mother Nature. Mm-hmm. In Glamoury, we court Mother Nature. We marry the earth. Mm-hmm. Rituals like that were very important to women in their dedication and their devotion to both self-care and spiritual care to the beauty of the body Mm -hmm. and the beauty of the natural world. Mm. Oh, so well said. I'm like, I can just keep listening. Keep going. (laughs) (laughs) I do want to touch on a couple of things that you've mentioned. Uh, The first one is, you know, how, how the, this, this wisdom was passed on from mother to daughter or sister to sister through those kind of mundane activities of, you know, cooking in the kitchen or whatnot. And I just want to apply that to my own life and my own experience, because I feel like, you know, my mother has kind of done similar things with me. And I know everybody has different relationships with their mothers, which I would like to touch on, right. How we can see that there's interesting dynamics that do appear um, with a mother and a daughter, um, which I would like you to talk about, but I do want to just share that, you know, my mom, like she just has these 
great ways of doing like random things like in the garden, you know, she's like, Oh, if you have, um, you know, a little pest out there or some sort of bug that's eating your lettuce, you know, take a bit of beer and go out there and put a little, you know, um, a little dish out there with some beer on it. And it will attract whatever, you know, slug that you have on your lettuce and it will just get rid of it. You know, like random things that she would just say, Oh yeah, you just do that. Like she knew like that anybody would know to do that. And she's not Googling these things, right? Like these are things that she just has known and has been passed down or, and that's just one example, but she, she sometimes surprises me with some of this wisdom that she'll just share or something in the kitchen, you know, it's like, Oh, you have to do it this way. Of course, you know, and I'm like, Oh no, I didn't know that. (laughs) Um, And so I appreciate those moments because she is, or like how to make a cup of tea, you know, there's like a specific way on how that happens and which I like because it's the tradition and she's passing it on and and not a way that's like, you have to do it this way, but like, this is the way that I was told to do it. You know, it's never forceful. Um, And I'm starting to pay attention to those more because those are like the wisdom traditions that she innately has that she thinks is normal, but I'm like, Ooh, that is, that's a good one. You know, and she's not Googling that, like that's coming through from somewhere. So that's one example of just in my, my life where I'm seeing that come through, certainly with mentors, right. With, with you, I'm learning so many different uh, traditions and other things as well. What about women who maybe have had a, a more challenging relationship with a mother figure, or maybe in, in our contemporary times, um, because I feel like that is connected to what women faced in our, in our ancient times as well. There, you know, the, the new, and it's almost like the Cinderella story, isn't it? Right. Like the, the new young maiden, and then there's like the jealous stepsisters. And then there's like the stepmother that doesn't like that, that, you know, maiden and her, all of her beauty and power and glamory. Can you talk to us about that and how women, probably still experience that in the way that we relate to one another now. This is so important. And thank you for the, um, the beautiful slug story from your mother, because, you know, these are diminished and trivialized as old wives tales when they are truly what you said, this, this is the wisdom tradition. It's what I call women's wit, women's, wisdom, and intuition teachings. And the beauty is that it comes forth in the dailiness Mm -hmm. when we're with our mothers and they can surprise us. I think we probably surprise them too. And these beautiful pieces of the fabric of life that make things easier, more beautiful, more graceful, more shared, um, our mothers weren't really probably honored for those or their mothers or their mothers before them. But there was a time when our foremothers were truly honored for knowing these things because you couldn't survive, let alone thrive, if you didn't know this. You know, you had to have that lettuce. You had to have it. So these were very directly communicated and, you know, funneled into the daughters. Uh, And we're reclaiming that. We're reclaiming that with ritual and ceremony and our daily rituals. We are really honoring and resacralizing, just as we are resacralizing our relationship with the land. But in, in terms of glamoury being also a healing art, and this is what truly appeals 
to me as a therapist about glamour is that part of it is healing the wounded child. Yes. And glamour is all of the faces of the sacred feminine available to a woman at any time in her life. And for almost all of us, I would say, there was a time in childhood where we were so connected with the earth. We were so filled with discovery. We were impressed all the time and delighted constantly. We had joy and we wove stories about ourselves in the world. And I remember for myself one time when I was maybe seven years old, um, a first grade teacher said, well, miss, you think you're something. And I said, yes, I'm Marcy. I'm me. And she said, well, we'll have to take care of that. So we have moments of resonance and even prickles around knowing when that time came. And before that time, we were fully and absolutely our wise child. And then society, culture, institutions, even families get busy about putting us in our place. Yes. And that wounding, what I told you was a very small wound, okay? Very small wound. We have much deeper ones, but that wounding has to be tended to because it absolutely bifurcated our authentic natures at that point. And so part of glamoury work is getting in touch with that wise child. She who was perfect in her desire to love and be loved. She who was open completely and absolutely delighted in innocence. She who needed mentoring and the kind of mentoring and support that she specifically could thrive from. Well, not many of us have received that package just that way from only one person, our mother. And so Glamoury is about celebrating the maiden, that kind of sensuality and coming into our bodies and blossoming in our peachiness. Mm. And it's also about the mother and mother warrior who is within each of us, when we call her up, the perfect mother for our wounded, wise child. Yeah. We are experts at knowing how that child needs to be helped. But sometimes we push her so far away that we don't even know her. And so we work with who that beautiful, perfect, loving child is. And then, of course, there is the elder, the wise woman, the crone, who basically supports and nourishes and educates and laughs with and mentors all of the other parts. So this within us is a kind of um, beautiful vessel that is available to us. We can draw any time of our lives into our present lives whenever we wish. So I purposely say wise child because many people who are listening or watching right now would be considered wise children. Mm. You could see more than people wanted you to see. You maybe ask more questions than you should have. Maybe you were much more athletic than anybody around. Maybe you were very quiet and had beautiful, imaginal inner lives. But all of this was questionable. And it still is to some extent 
in the West and around the world. You know, we are very fortunate as American women, even though we have to stay strong and really continue the incredible work of the women in our past and also our contemporary women leaders. Yeah. They are glamorous. They are. They have glamoury. All you have to think about is Michelle Obama or AOC or Deborah Halland. Uh, that's glamoury right mm -hmm. there mm -hmm. because they take up space. They hold themselves centered, solid. They listen carefully. They read the signs. They are able to understand what is needed and they can constantly redirect and also help guide people to hopefully shared mission. Yeah. This is glamoury in contemporary world. It reminds me, you know, you shared a personal story of when you were younger. It reminds me of a story for myself when I was probably like an early teen, like a tween, maybe 12, 13. And I think I was coming into my body, right? My more feminine body. And I had a little butt. I had a cute little, you know, round butt. And <laughs> I laugh now because it's funny that I'm sharing this story publicly. But um, I remember hearing through the neighborhood that people were talking about my little bottom. And it was other women, older women, uh, you know, and they had something to say about that. Like, oh, you know, look at her. Like, ooh, you know. And somehow it got back to me that people were talking about me coming into this new feminine form and something shifted in that moment for me where I suddenly became very conscious of my sexual body of my ripening young female body. And I felt like I had to hide that. And I think that that moment for me was kind of a moment where I felt sexualized and I felt like somebody had something negative to say about that. And therefore I needed to act smaller and appear smaller and hide things. So I, you know, wore a sweatshirt around my waist or whatever I did at that time. Mm -hmm. And I think this is interesting because we're starting to touch on more contemporary experiences that I think women are going through and have gone through for, as we've talked about millennia. Um, but this is like a more contemporary example. Right. And, and how, women have been over-sexualized or we've been taught we have to look a certain way and act a certain way to be accepted in this modern world. And your uniqueness isn't necessarily embraced. Um, and so, Marcy, do you have anything to share kind of a, around maybe that, like what we are experiencing contemporary in contemporary times, you know, whether it's social media or different programs on TV and how, um, we have become sexualized or ageism is another and lookism is another topic that I think we could touch on. Well, first I want to say, I'm so sorry, Amber. <laughs> I am, you know, honestly, what I know happens in glamour is you, your adult self flew back and wrapped your arms around young Amber mm -hmm. and walked you through that because this is the only way I believe that we actually make it through experiences like that. You know, that was painful. And the objectification of women is yes. based on fear. Thank you. We create out of our bodies. 
That has been the basis for taking women piece by piece apart, focusing only on one body part or one feature. Mm -hmm. And that concept of lookism is you are how people see you look. You don't have a self. It's the male gaze or the female gaze right. in this case, which is devastating. Also, that's patriarchal to me. Yes. So in terms of having these wounds, there is no woman who doesn't have at least three of those wounds. It, it just because we live in a world in which the patriarchy is terrified that if we should ever come into our power, if we should ever truly join each other and rise up and create a Me Too movement mm -hmm. or become activists for what we believe in, if we should join together in sisterhoods and do million women marches, yeah. we might never be able to be stopped. So turning this vessel of a body that gives life and holds life and making it something that has to be pulled apart and identified only from the male gaze is one of the most powerful ways to destroy a woman's integrity. Mm. It disintegrates us. And in that objectification, we just become things. And that, of course, then is a way to keep us under wraps, to control us. Another way is to tell us your job is to take care of other people. When you focus on yourself, if you do beautiful beauty rituals, if you take time for yourself, if you and your women friends get together and do beautiful face masks and foot massages and henna adornment, you're being self-absorbed, self-centered, and you're really probably killing people all around you because you're not taking care of them. I mean, yes. it's that intense. So self-care is something that women have had to do pretty much in secret, unless they were the women who were most connected with masculine events. One of the, one of the examples of how women's uh, beautiful rituals to support each other in the seasons and stages of life is tribal dancing or what is now called belly dancing, one of the forms. Belly dancing was for women only by women because in the birthing tent, when the woman was going into labor, women would dance around her, moving with those beautiful, fluid, and also intense thunderous um, labor pains and they, it was like sympathetic magic they wow. were with her and they would wear bones like belts of bones around their waists to identify you know life death life well men saw that as too powerful they're up to something something's going on there and so they brought it into the harem or the harem and the coins that we now see were payment for services. Oh. Women didn't have a choice. Oh. So there's endless number of ways that we can look at this from every culture. And certainly we live in a time now where there are beautiful women like your husband, Luke, like my partner, Mark, and so many men that are in my practice and my 
partner in the secular ministry who's a man. All of these wonderful men have stepped up to honor our beauty, our unique beauty, not the media beauty, but our unique beauty. Mm, yes. And I just thank all of those men. <laughs> I really do. I do. Um, because it's almost like we as women have have an opportunity to re-educate uh, those around us, whether that's family members or friends in our circles, you know, that we are reclaiming our beauty, our ageless, timeless beauty at whatever stage of womanhood that we are in. And we are, and that's what it is. And I'm so passionate about that. You know, I, it's Aries season. I just had my birthday. It's spring equinox. I'm a year older and, you know, I'm sitting with that and I'm like, Oh, wow. You know, getting older. And, and, and so, <laughs> and again, it's silly. Cause I, you know, I'm, I'm 37. I'll just share with everybody. Um, but I am sensing that I am getting older in different ways. Right. And society wants me to not get older. It wants me to still look like the little girl and have the little figure and do all these things. Like most of us probably feel in society. It's, it's somewhat told you that you're not good enough the way that you are. And therefore you need to do X, Y, and Z to look this certain way, and then you'll be accepted. And so I've just been sitting with that topic and ruminating on it and, and really setting the intention for this next year for myself of like, really just embracing my age, my the beauty as it is, and as it will continue to age, right? Because we're all going to get older. We will all die one day. And I just would much rather age so gracefully and in my power than unfortunately what I have seen around me, which is women who have fallen victim to kind of the pressures of society, pressures of their family and what people think that they should look like and whatever that might be. So there is an element of the physical that I'm looking at and I'm sitting with, but more importantly, I think for me, it's the, it's the, it's the emotional body. It's your spiritual body. It's like, that's really where, you know, I want to be because as you say, Marcy, um, style is spirit turned outward. So the way that you present yourself into the world is really your spirit presenting itself to the world. And so I just share that because that's what's up for me in this moment. And I know many of us who are probably listening to this episode, you know, sometimes you look in the mirror, you're like, oh, that's a new wrinkle or you know, whatever it is. And why I think glamour is so important because we are reclaiming our ancient beauty and our ancient wisdom that is inside of us that I feel like so strongly about this, that I want all women to be able to reclaim that and come together in that sisterhood and that support and that tribe and go out into the world and like cast this new energy out there that is so needed for our planet. Absolutely. I'm going to join. <laughs> we got I want to be with you, sister. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And you know how many women in your life and in your practice and in, you know, all of the work that you're doing. And for me, anywhere you go, anywhere you go, there is a sisterhood just waiting to hear the magic words like, oh, I see you. Mm -hmm. You know, and that is a precious thing that women have had throughout time, although we have had to pay for it. 
we've had to hide for it. And sometimes we've lost our lives for it. No more. This genie right now is not going back into the bottle. Mm. And we now have the, the marvelous opportunity to recognize that self-adornment, gathering your sacred regalia, the way that one turns her spirit outward, the concept of style has to do with ancient traditions of sacred clothing. Mm. In First Nation in the United States, um, nations, um, the Lakota people with whom I spent time and many others, um, the powwow regalia, like their sacred clothing, could be a couple of hundred years old or more, woven with dyed porcupine quills and out of beautiful um, forms of leather and adorned with all kinds of beautiful feathers, fur. They had great meaning. But what's interesting that's on many of those powwow regalia pieces is not only the successes of that family and that person, but also some of their frailties. Mm. So you could see someone coming if you didn't know them, but you could read their clothing and decide, do I want to know this person or am I going to go the other way? Because there was truth in that kind of presentation. I mean, we also honor and I love having humor around my limitations and my frailties and the things I'm just not going to change. You know, if you look at my regalia, you're going to see some big holes. I just don't have time. That's not what I'm going to be doing. I'm doing other stuff. So Glamoury tells us this is our physical life. As far as the Northern traditions see it, it's the one life. Mm. But that one life can exist in all time with all parts of ourselves. And that one life, well, an example, I want to give an example of how glamoury has been changed. Um, Aphrodite Venus is Mm. one of the patron goddesses of glamoury. And in her original pre-Hellenic, before the Romans, her role as Aphrodite, she was the spirit guide for what we would now call therapists. Okay. And, and anyone who does healing, like you do, you see clients, you offer your healing and spiritual support. And so Aphrodite would join us with either her pearlescent round globe or a pink lantern. And she would shine the light as we walked along with our clients into those places that needed to be illuminated so that we could find the way to heal and follow the path that has the best purpose in mind for our clients. And then she would move on. And so that pink lantern would not be there, just like you're not always with your clients. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not either. And that was disturbing to men in her story. She comes in vagals and charms and bewitches a man and then chews him up and spits him out. And she also um, was, or is, let me say, Aphrodite is a, a truly powerful mother, especially of men. Cupid or Eros, the love god, was her son, and so was Hermaphrodite, the non-binary god. She had um, 
a great deal of power in the pantheon of Greek gods and goddesses. And because she tended herself and took care of her body and had beautiful spaces that she created for others and for herself, she was considered vain. And then as she matured, she was able to take on almost any powerful man and tell him a thing or two. She could hold space. Mm -hmm. So from the power that women drew from this and healers drew from this to the appropriation and demonization of those spectacular forms of the feminine that Aphrodite holds and lends to us through her influence, we have to go through some digging. We need her lantern. We need her pearly light to shine the truth on what happened. What happened here? And what happened in my life? And what happened in my mother's and grandmother's lives? We need to know the truth. I have to share this because (laughs) I'm... I'm chuckling inside because I think Aphrodite definitely was shining her little pink lantern in my bathroom as I was preparing for this podcast interview, Marcy. I I was like, ooh, you know, we're going to be talking about glamour and ageism and beauty and, and these ancient traditions, and this the, the priestess way. And I should like dress up a little bit for this, right? And so I decided that I'm going to wear, if you're if you're driving, I'll describe what I'm wearing. I'm going to wear like this little uh, head piece, right? So it's this little white jeweled headband, so to speak. And my hair is up in a ponytail and I'm just going to put that on because I feel like that's kind of the energy that I want to embody for this discussion with Marcy. And as I'm putting this on, it's this little voice in my head. that's like, well, Amber, gosh, that's a bit much, isn't it? Don't you think that's a bit extra? Like, well, what are you trying to do? You're trying to stand out. You know, people are going to look at you. Is that what you want? And it was this whole narrative that I was just replaying as I was hearing you describe Aphrodite, because I feel like she was shining light on the narrative that I have around really uh, adorning myself in a way that my inner child feels really fun and playful and good. But yet there's this narrative that comes in very quickly, like, ooh, but people are going to look at you and you are going to get uncomfortable by that, you know, especially if you get male attention. Ooh, you know, you don't want that. And, um, you know, you don't want to be too big for your britches, like dressing up like that. So anyways, I'm just sharing this because I think that there's so much that women, by listening to you and listening to the, the, the wisdom teachings that the glamour shows us, we can start to look at our own lives and our own experiences of why, why do I have that narrative? Where did that come from? I want to wear this little headband and I'm wearing it right now and it looks pretty cute, you know, but that narrative that came in was, was no, you don't do that. That's too much Amber settle down now. Mm -hmm. Um, So anyways, I did just want to share that because I feel so many of us can relate and we all have these stories um, where our power has been taken from us or we've been knocked off kilter or um, whatever that is. I just feel like so many of us can relate to that and wanted to share that with you. <laughs> yes. You know, there's the place that I call get to know me, get to know me, get to know me. If not bless you and release you. Mm-hmm. And if our paths come together again in a different way, excellent. But it's something I say inside myself. It's get to know me. Mm. 
because really there isn't a lot of time to apologize and make excuses and wither and tuck ourselves in. You know, there's just not a lot of time. And you were talking about Aries and, you know, my birthday is a couple of days away and it's going to, I'm going to be in my 75th year. I'll be 74, but it is my 75th year, which I find absolutely fantastic. Yeah. You know, because of all of the parts of the self that have been together for, you know, decades and decades, there's a conversation inside. There's a council mm. of goddesses and allies that can say, hey, pay attention, get to know me. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not invisible unless I want to be invisible. So get to know me. Yeah. That's another piece of this is being able to pull forth in order for me to protect and preserve those who don't speak the language of domination. I can make myself invisible if I need to. Mm -hmm. I can make myself any age in terms of being able to relate or code switch, okay, to speak and understand the language and be heard and hear. Um, I can also, I'm only 5'2", I can take up space if I need to, if I'm in the role of my airy self as defender. Yeah. And, and I think that's important uh, for all women to recognize we don't all have to be there, but you know that you've got a sister who will be, and we need those sisters who have that firebrand, you know, as well as the pink lantern. Hey, we need Artemis Diana. We need the one with the bow and arrow. Her aim is true. Of course we do. We need Hestia with the intentional domestic magical arts by the hearth. We need all of these amazing goddesses. Whatever tradition you follow, there's going to be a corresponding goddess or divine feminine in that tradition that speaks to you specifically. So glamoury is then really going to the core of our mystery, our unique spirited mystery and untaming hmm. some of these parts of our creativity and our intelligence and really getting in touch with the wise child, that wild child, that child that loved the natural world and was constantly seeking the beauty in nature and the nature in beauty and also all of the aesthetics of sensuousness yeah. of appreciation of gratitude hmm. i think this is a perfect time to maybe share with the listeners who are listening what we have been crafting and co-creating and preparing for that is coming later this year in august starting on august 13th uh, actually at Wiseacre in Crested Butte, Colorado. Marcy and I have been co-creating a retreat in Glamoury, the secret priestess path of ageless beauty and wisdom. So let's just talk a little bit about the retreat that we have up our sleeves and share that with our listeners. Uh, because if this has piqued your interest in any way, I think you'll really, really like what, uh, what we've put together here. Um, at, at Wiseacre. So Marcy, do you want to just talk a little bit about, um, you know, what we'll be doing? What are the priestess arts that we will be exploring? Uh, how will we be, you know, really communing with nature and in sisterhood? Like give us a little feel of 
what's the day to day kind of going to look like? Well, I'm so excited with you, Amber, because I have missed my sisters. You know, uh, being with, you know, women sing together. Women love to give foot massages. Women have various forms of their own healing that they have been developing over years and in different sacred places. We all have different forms of uh, sharing and divining, and we will be in um, a very rich environment here two miles up in the mountains. We're very close to wilderness, and we'll be doing some beautiful investigation of sacred forest and scrying pool, which is an ancient way of seeing for the people and the planet. We will be creating potions that will be very important to us because part of glamoury is charisma, which is to, to have the oil of the blessing of the gods. And so we'll be creating that in investigation with the native spirit of plants around here. We will be... Um, doing some of the beautiful ritual of henna adornment. Women can choose to do this or not, but henna artists out of the mystery school, dear ones of mine, will be here to support that. We will also be making altars. A wonderful woman who is a sacred landscape architect and is also one of my daughters is um, going to be here working with us to create these in nature. And we will also be doing a whole day preparing for an afternoon and evening of divining. And women are going to be invited to bring, if they choose to, their favorite divining instrument. And we'll make a beautiful series of ritual altars and places and spend time really getting in touch with the guides, the other realms, the allies, and the spirit kin. Um, people, when you leave here, when a woman leaves here, she will be clanking <laughs> with information about how precious her wild spirit and her deep nature is. And really as a form of spiritual signatures, there will be a way that each woman, when she leaves here, will know clearly how she best professes and expresses herself in order to support and serve self and others. We are going to be laughing because women laugh. Yeah. We're going to be taking time and splashing in the river right in the backyard. We're going to have private time to dream in the hammocks or um, take short walks. We're going to be preparing also for a wonderful um, night out in Crested Butte, mm -hmm. going out to dinner, which is a wonderful, funkadelic little town with the mountain range all around it. And we are also going to be preparing for our priestess ceremony, which is marrying the self. We will marry ourselves and we will promise to support and love and heal and encourage self. And we will also be marrying the earth as devoted daughters of Gaia. And we will also have an opportunity 
my partner is a photographer, a professional photographer, and this was a suggestion of Amber's, which I think is wonderful, because we will be doing um, glamoury portraits, and these will be your goddess self incarnated here in natural settings. And if you go to the website, you'll see some of those photos of women who've been part of glamoury retreats before. And so it's going to be rich and full, plus this exquisite organic um, boxed food and meals, and also lots of organic, fresh snacking food. And then finally, the night of our certification and our priestess ceremony, we're going to have a feast with toasts. Oh my goodness. Oh, and we're going to be doing yoga and Pilates. Uh, Absolutely. Right. We, we decided to do that kind of in the evening hour too, yes. which I'm excited about leaving as well. Um, so there will be a little bit of movement, you know, embodiment practices mm-hmm. and just kind of getting into, into our physical bodies even more and reclaiming that power. Um, and the feast, I can't wait for the feast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Good. Yes. So, you know, it, this is a, it's, this is pleasure seeking. This is treat yourself retreat. This is an opportunity to really take time out of time and to regather our spirits and our bodies after we've been so isolated and the world has had such upheaval. This is not only a time of crisis, but it's a time of deep creativity. And this is when women are at our very best. Mm. We bring that together and share it, gather it in group. So think about your own deep hearted and spirited self, bring her to the Glamoury retreat, share her with us. We want to meet you. We want to be in circle with you. We want to honor and recognize and acknowledge you. Absolutely. And I'll just pile on to say, you know, that this is for all sisters, right? This is, doesn't matter your age. You could be 18 to 88, Um, you know, you could be completely dedicated to your spiritual path, or you could just be beginning on your spiritual path. So it is an all are welcome retreat. And I just want to make sure that, um, you know, you know that, that no matter where you are on your path, you will be embraced with, you know, wide arms from Marcy and myself. Um, And, you know, we'll be exploring all faces of of womanhood, right? So we will be doing some of that journeying back into our wise child and our maiden and, um, you know, wise elder and alchemizing all of those in ourselves. And so there will be that introspective journey and healing journey that we all embark on as well. And I think that the approach that Marcy, you know, you have, and I think I share the same approach is really being very, um, hands-on, you know, just creating that sacred space for everybody to have their experience and be fully supported. So I couldn't be more excited to be offering this to our listeners. Um, What I'd love to do, if any of you have any questions or details on on the retreat, I'd love for you to get in touch with us. So if you just want to visit returnofritual.com, you can submit your email and you can contact uh, us through the website and we can have a phone call with you or set up some time to connect over zoom and we can share more, or if there's any questions that you have, we'd be happy to, to answer those. And then also because you're listening to this episode, we would like to offer a discount. So if you do mention the podcast, we have a special discount for you um, all lined up. So make, make sure that you do reference that you have listened 
to the Return of Ritual podcast, and we will certainly be able to honor that discount for you. I think also, Amber, that we should say that um, each woman will have time with you or me in real personal exchange and sharing, because this is about building your sight, your intuition, your sense of self, your coming into your true, most natural beauty. And you, we all need our beauty mirrored back to us. Yes. So not only will you have a circle of people, but you will have dedicated women who are practicing and will continue to practice and have practiced all our lives in this now that we bring it back into the world, this ancient priestess path and art. Yes. Marcy, thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom about glamory and all that you just bring forth into the world. You're such a wonderful example and all of the people that you're helping through your private practice and just so much gratitude for you in my life and so honored to be co-creating this wonderful experience by your side. Thank you so, so much for being back on the episode on the podcast today. Thank you. Thank you for this shared story. Thank you for this opportunity to share with so many women. Bless us all. Be well. Be well. I think we can all agree that this year and last year has been challenging. I have certainly missed real in-person connection and travel. And that's why my beloved mentor, Marcy Tellender, and I have put together the Glamoury Retreat, the secret priestess path of ageless beauty and wisdom, a sacred retreat for women in all phases of the moon and all phases of life hosted in the beautiful Crested Butte, Colorado, starting August 13th, 2021. So if you've been craving time in nature or time surrounded by a tribe of like-minded sisters, enjoying maybe beautiful, delicious organic food together, doing yoga and Pilates by the river, And if you're drawn to exploring the priestess arts, so things like divination, scrying, creating herbal tinctures, connecting more deeply to nature, to yourself and others, and experiencing many sacred rituals and ceremonies, then this retreat is for you. If you'd like to learn more, visit returnofritual.com forward slash retreats. And as a thank you for listening to the Return of Ritual podcast, we are offering all listeners an additional $200 off. So use the promo code podcast at checkout, and we can't wait to see you there. Space is limited to 13 beautiful women, so reserve your spot today.